I was the tattooed friend that got blamed for the tattoos. <laughs> Hello and welcome to We Made You a Song, a podcast by the Steel Wheels and producing partner WMRA that is a companion to our newest album, Everyone a Song, Volume 2. Every one of the songs that we talk about in each of the episodes come directly from a true story commissioned by a real person. And the podcast documents those stories and the songwriting producing process under the cloud of COVID-19. Our new album, Everyone a Song Volume 2, is available for pre-order now and will be released November 5th, 2021. I'm your host, Trent Wagler of The Steel Wheels. The podcast We Made You a Song is brought to you by Old Hill Cider, located at Showalter's Orchard in Timberville, Virginia. Get into this autumn season by getting some Old Hill Cider into your glass or cup or any vessel of your choice. Uh, You've heard me say it before, I would not have a sponsor that I do not personally really enjoy, and Old Hill Cider has been my choice for hard cider ever since I found out about them, maybe back in 2012, 2013. Um, Old Hill is located again at the Showalter's Apple Orchard in Timberville, Virginia. They know their apples, they know their cider, Go to showaltersorchard.com and find out everything they have to offer. You will not be disappointed. This week, our song is called Mark On Me. You made your mark on me Got a tattoo with your mother This is a unique one because it serves as a kind of part two to an episode from season one called My Name is Sharon. In fact, I'd encourage you, if you haven't listened to that song and that episode, to just press pause here and just go back, spend a few minutes to uh, listen to that episode. I don't usually ask you to have any prerequisites to listening to any of our podcasts, but that song, My Name is Sharon, is at the very least a close relative to this song. Um... Now, if you aren't interested in listening to my instructions and you need a quick description, uh, My Name is Sharon was written for a mother, Donna Gath Criswell, who wanted us to pay tribute to her daughter, Sharon, who died far too soon in 2013 uh, after a tragic accident. But um, Donna wanted yet another song, and that's where this week uh, begins. This time she wanted us to focus a song on Aaron Buckley. Aaron, you might remember also from that episode in season one, uh, was Sharon's best friend. And while Donna framed the idea as us uh, writing a song specifically just about Aaron and Sharon's relationship, it also became clear to me that in a certain way it's also about the deep impact of Sharon's loss and how that loss left space for Aaron and Donna to have a very unique bond together in the aftermath of Sharon's death. Let's bring Aaron in here to describe herself and uh, talk about the various ways that Sharon's life 
left a mark on her. I was the tattooed friend that got blamed for the tattoos. So. <laughs> um, she and I went to get tattoos together um, a couple of times. So I was with her for her first. Um, and it was just, you know, another part, I think, of our bonding, um, knowing that, I mean, her, the meaning behind her first tattoos were for her father that had passed, and I believe for uh, her grandparents, too. Um, but the part that I know Sharon is enjoying wherever she is, is the, the her mother is now tattooed, because, you know, <laughs> like, like any other mom who didn't necessarily want their child to choose the tattooed life, um, she uh, now is out there and doing it and Sharon would love every minute of it. So it's another, you know, part of our bond. I, I know right. that I wouldn't have been able to make it through this the way that I have without Donna um, and the losing of Sharon, but she, Donna's the greatest gift that Sharon could have ever left me, you know? So it's, it's just kind of ink stained soul. That's for sure. You know? And I used to tell her like, I'm not against tattoos per se, but you know, half of her friends were getting like flip flops on there. You, you stop. <laughs> get something meaningful and um that's what I said to her I said I, I would get one if there was something that was meaningful mm -hmm. and so she got these um angel wings on her inside um yeah. forearms after her dad passed and my parents and so I, I was driving down the road one day shortly after within weeks after she passed and I went okay that's what I need to do I just felt I needed to connect her, to her and um get these angel tattoos. So as Erin did with Sharon, she took Donna to get her first tattoo and it wouldn't be the last time that the two of them pay tribute to Sharon in the form of a tattoo. You got your angel weed Put your ink on my As the songwriter, I was given photographs of some of these tattoos. There were angel wings. There was a skeleton key tattoo designed uh, for Sharon. They also showed a picture of one of Sharon's tattoos uh, where she had um, a message about love written between two of her fingers on her hand. And so several of those things found their way into the lyrics there were also uh, some of the messages and even the entire lyrics of the chorus come out of the real sense of humor that Aaron and Sharon shared, um, which included just inside jokes, like instead of sending a picture of flowers, sending a picture of just these flower stems, and um, the fact that Sharon was a very big proponent and a huge fan of dandelions <laughs> and um, and so some of the imagery of, of spreading seeds all over again or uh, send me pictures of the flower stems those uh, lyrics came directly from some of the humor that was real and was important uh, within Sharon and Aaron's relationship and continues to be important as Aaron and Donna um, work through the grief that comes from losing Sharon. The day that um, I got the news, I had already moved to Texas. So again, far away from home. And um, I got the call and immediately, and I'll be, I'll be raw with you, I was in a Walmart of all places, but I literally fell to the floor of an aisle in Walmart um, and immediately just had the urge to make her a promise that 
I will carry her with me every day in this life that I have left and I will do anything in my power to take care and make sure that her mom is okay because I know that she would do the same for me. As much as she had a number of great friends and deep friendships, this one just felt like um, the connection was like no other. And I knew that what Aaron was promising was to that depth of love and, and commitment and, and caring. And, um, and she's proven it every single day. Um, she reaches out to me all the time. You know. And I think it's also we keep each other on track as far as, you know, nobody can put a time limit on grief, especially a parent. Um, and I think a lot of people try to because it's uncomfortable. Um, but there is no time limit. And I think it's just that we balance one another and don't allow each other to get too far on the negative side. Even if I start to go down that road of, oh, poor me, I've got Aaron to kick me in the butt or, you know, I, or I allow myself the hour or two for self-pity. And then I go, what the heck? Sharon would be like kicking my butt right now and saying, okay, what's the next adventure we can go on? Who cares about epilepsy? You know, it's, we can we can joke because if anybody that knows Sharon would know, but it's even getting through some of the toughest things that she can just so easily snap the two of us back into, well, Donna said, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Listen to me laugh out loud. We'll hear more from Donna and Aaron in just a moment. But for now, I'm going to bring in Eric Brubaker, our fiddle player, to chat a little bit about the making of this song. I love the the tension on this one between sort of like the steady, you know, the big fat electric guitar chords, the almost marching drum beat at times, um, and then kind of have these moments that that have more ethereal and uh, flighty moments as well. I love that tension. Ever since Kevin has come into the band and the drums have been and percussion has been a part of it, I've always really loved the interplay between particularly this this set of instruments where we have a very like deadened banjo that mm. doesn't have a lot of resonance, but you just kind of hear the plunk, plunk, yeah. plunk, plunk. And I think I used a little bit of gaff tape on the bridge for this one to really kind of truly kind of deaden any of the harmonics and the larger sort of sustain of the banjo. It almost becomes a percussion instrument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the fiddle. And so those two instruments, the banjo and fiddle, having very much, like in your ear, a certain connotation, very old-timey and traditional, generally, but then adding the different forms of percussion, which Kevin has always been such an expert at, mm -hmm. like, like he adds all that color at the beginning, some of these sort of, like, loose hi-hat sounds. Just beautiful things to sort of build the, the palette, and then the electric guitar. And so it's kind of like those four characters, banjo, fiddle, electric, and all the percussion. I mean, it's really more than just one character, but the drums and, and the rhythmic side. Uh, I just really love how the band has grown to play mm -hmm. in that playground. Mm -hmm. 
So let's get our favorite drummer and percussionist to come in and talk about his playground. Uh, this is Kevin Garcia from the Steel Wheels. One of the things that I started with was I started a slapback delay um, that I was actually playing along with while I was tracking. So a lot of the rhythms that I was playing was being informed by this repetitive echo that I had kind of set up, which I later turned down a bit, but while I was tracking, I had it up pretty high. And it just kind of led me to these different places that I might not have actually gone to had I just been tracking, you know, to the click and to the song. Um, and I also set up like a, an additional snare drum off to my left. So I wanted to kind of have a near snare and also kind of a further away snare that was like off a little bit in the distance. So um, I kind of played a little bit between those two. Um, but yeah, between that kind of like slapback, you know, delay and, and, and with that kind of addition to the concept of trying to build in distance within my performance, it kind of led me to some really interesting places. And I kind of put a lot of like, uh, you know, um, dangly metallic items on the cymbals so that they had like an extra decay so that if I hit something, you know, it would, it would be able to kind of like wash away slowly while I maybe did some other stuff. So that it gives you the concept of like something that's like, you know, in your face, but then also something that's like approaching, like almost like, you know, kind of push and pull the entire time. And probably yeah. didn't 100% translate. <laughs> it's like, you know, people listening to it being like, oh, that's, that's some drums, yeah, cool drums. <laughs> to say that that fiddle solo at the beginning of the bridge is just like can you talk about it like there's something yeah. about it that just is so uh different and i love right. it yeah i think i was playing off like i was saying those rhythmic parts and but i wanted something to kind of feel like it was escaping from from that that grounded bass and i think probably some of the imagery of of angel wings kind of gave me this idea of like wanting a part to represent that uh i don't know if it if it's escaping or if it's like getting away from us or if it's being you know if it's flying up uh into the sky you know but th those all all those images kind of i wanted to kind of have a sound that represented that that solo really uh gets me there where it's it's like it feels like there's a struggle in it where it's like the notes are like Like there's this kind of like power to the way it it releases and then comes back. It's almost like a box that's being opened and then closed and open and closed. And there's something that's trying yeah. to get out almost. <laughs> and um, I remember writing that bridge. Um, Time's going to move on. I don't want to let it. Uh, I hear you singing your song and I'll never forget it. And there is an aspect of when you're, paying tribute to someone who's gone there's there's an aspect of you, you've got to also talk about the process of grief and I think um, that's what to me that bridge was about was this sense of how do we how do we grieve those who've passed and 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 the way that time inevitably sort of 
takes us further away from that life that was with us. Time is going to I should stop here and acknowledge that there's a big elephant in the room uh, when I'm talking to Eric about this song, um, which is the fact that Eric himself is a parent who continues to mourn and grieve the loss of his daughter, Nora, who passed away after a very severe and sudden illness in 2019 at the age of 10. We wrote this song for Aaron and for Donna and in memory of Sharon, but I think it also hits home in a different way um, in the light of the loss of Nora. Once we completed the song, it was time to hand it back to Donna. It was a little torturous for me because I got the song <laughs> on February 13th. And of course, I have, I'm ADD, so I had no patience. And I'm like, okay, I have to give this to Ellen right now. And even though it was two days before her birthday, and I, I think I messaged you when you were in the middle of something or working, and I went, oh, crap. <laughs> I wanted her to listen to it right away. And then I said, well, when, when do, will you have some time, some quiet time, because I have something to talk to you about. And she said, oh, later this afternoon. And so later, I'm on pins and needles the whole day, of course, because I can't wait for her to hear this. I'm not sure. How, I knew she would be very moved by it, um, but I wasn't sure how she would absorb it all. And I think I just remember sitting on that same spot on the couch that was Sharon's, that I listened to My Name is Sharon and sent it to her. And she was, I could feel through the phone or the text messaging, whatever we were doing, I don't even remember. Yeah, remember. I couldn't talk for couldn't an talk. hour and a half. I was like, forgive me, but I, there's no way right now. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could tell you that when Donna sent it, um, it took me a good hour, almost maybe even two hours to gather myself. And so um, not tooting my own horn, but it typically takes a lot to break me. And it was so moving that, I mean, it did, it broke me, but it broke me in all of the right ways. And so I thank you guys for that. And I, I know that I said in my Facebook post, I wish that I could literally like rip open my veins so that you could see how much, you know, you guys mean to me, the connection with Sharon. And even after her passing, the peace that watching you live brings me the peace that listening to your music brings me um so you know when i first heard it all of that came flooding back and then you know the symbolism and the way that it was written um it, it definitely just spoke directly to my soul stained in ink marked by sharon um and then definitely bonded to you guys because of it you know my thing is although that this song is soaked in symbolism with a lot of backstories i just hope that anybody that hears mark on me just thinks of their most treasured friend or family member or partner and um know that you know it's just a song that is a beautiful tribute to a soul connection between myself yeah. and my friend and i just i can only hope that everybody gets to experience that in this life here's the complete song mark on me following the song i'll ask eric to talk a little bit about 
his process and experience of grief following the loss of his daughter, Nora. You made your mark on me Got a tattoo with your mother You are a skeleton key Who 
It's terrifying to th- think of of what time does uh, to our memories, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, that's very real of not not wanting to let go of both you know physical things that remind you of um, of a person, or just like those memories that are fleeting. Um, and time, man, time strips those things away from us. You, you don't want time to move on when you're dealing with something that is no longer part of your life, right? Um, because you you don't want to move on from that. You, there's, there is no moving on from that. So you're, you're trying to learn with how to walk alongside this, this grief um, in a way that honors whatever has been passed, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's always just going to be a part of of my story now is f- trying to find a way to honor a memory and so i i can empathize with donna in that in in that we're trying to to keep some memories alive um and you know time is always <laughs> kind of fighting against that mm. it's not something you've also spoken a lot about and i think that it's obviously your story to hold or share as much as you want at the same time you've written some very beautiful things and blogged about it uh in in a separate space and and one of the things you wrote about so eloquently was i think it was at the year anniversary of Mm. nora's death when the pandemic was starting Mm -hmm. and uh and you were talking about like it's still so prescient now but at the time you were saying like we are coming into a time of collective loss and collective grief uh around so so much and there's there's so much expectation even from the most well-meaning people about what time means for moving on so to speak and Mm -hmm. grieving and maybe that's a little bit cliche but like i don't know is there anything else that you feel like you have to share or or have learned Mm. <laughs> uh, I feel like in some ways I've just, I've only just started to think about like, how do I mourn, uh, a life? And so, you know, it's, it, boy, speaking of time, it just takes like, it's not that time heals wounds. Like that's bullshit, right? It's like, it's always, it's always there. You're learning to try to live uh, alongside of it. And so I think going forward, I'm just going to be looking for ways in order to honor a memory and in order to, um, come up with some, some traditions, some things that are very concrete in a way of remembering, you know, we've been trying to, as my family has always tried, even from the beginning, when it's very hard, uh, you know, to try to keep memories alive and, and just, in everyday life, just, you know, bring up memories of Nora and, and talk about it. Like it's, it's still with us. And, and, you know, do you remember when Nora did this or when she did that? And that's been one way to kind of keep, uh, keep memories alive. But, you know, I'm going to, I think I'm going to be looking for other ways to, to more concretely, um, mark, uh, a life. And, you know, I, I think some of my writing about, 
the current uh, sort of trauma that we're all going through in in this pandemic is that recognizing that people that haven't been allowed to um, have some of those rituals that we do um, put around grief and you know there are some very healthy things that as a society you do you gather you bring somebody a meal you give them a hug you um you go to a church uh you know all these things that uh kind of provide some structure for us to mourn um they've been stripped away from a lot of people and so you know things that we were as a family given that we didn't even think about as far as like a memorial service, uh, a friend coming over and just sitting with us, you know, some of those things have been taken away from people and in their moment of crushing grief. Right. And so, uh, I, I'd like to challenge, you know, all of us to really think about what that means to, to replace some of those things that have been lost and, uh, to find ways to keep our eyes open, to meet, others that are in that moment of just paralyzing crushing grief mm-hmm. uh to to check in with somebody to you know if you can't give them a hug because you're uh you know you're in quarantine like send them a note you know and uh those things are important um and yeah it, it's a process <laughs> yeah yeah i think that it's messy and that it's not a like a, it doesn't move in a straight line. Uh, just accept where we're at uh, in any given moment, and instead of the, you know, adding crushing judgment on top of crushing grief, <laughs> um, I think is a really good word too. Well, hopefully these songs that we've done for Sharon and for Donna and Aaron, like, hopefully they are, you know, a way to to um, mark um, a life and a relationship uh, in a way that's that's positive. You know, if there's something that we can give somebody that uh, is a way to remember, you know, we need those. We need ways to remember. Uh, and hopefully this is a, a way to remember. Well, thank you, Eric, for being willing to open up and share a little bit from your experience. Um I want to thank Aaron Buckley and Donna Gath Criswell for also um, being vulnerable and telling us their story. Special thanks to my other bandmate, Kevin Garcia, for speaking to us about uh, creating the song, as well as always to Matt Bingay from WMRA for editing the podcast. If you're listening to this and you've stayed to this point in the episode, I assume you probably already know thesteelwheels.com is where you can find out all the information about what we're up to. And we do have an album that's being released this week. Um, But I don't feel much like uh, going into lots of commercial plugging of things. So go check that stuff out if you're interested. I want to leave you with a quote um, from the blog post that we referenced in the interview with Eric he quoted uh, Rabbi Yosef Konevsky, and this was particularly in the heart of the pandemic. And he says, Every hand that we don't shake must become a phone call that we place. Every embrace that we avoid must become a verbal expression of warmth and concern. Every inch and every foot that we physically place between ourselves and another must become a thought as to how we might be of help to that other should the need arise. Such a great challenge 
especially as we get closer to these long nights of winter. Wherever this episode finds you, I hope you can find the energy to reach out to others and connect, whether you're in a process of deep grief and struggle or you're finding inspiration and joy. Let all of it, the scars, the marks, uh, be a witness to the life that you're living. So that's it. We'll be back next week with another episode um, from all of the Steel Wheels. Thank you for listening. We love you. We care about you. And we made you a song.